Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Green Mountain Dental Group. Uh, my name's Henry Chisholm, and today uh, we're talking about. Well, first we got to talk about the Pac-12 because that's always how this always has to start. And uh, you know, it isn't all great stuff. Uh, but after that, uh, we're going to talk about Visca. And that's going to be a lot of fun because he is really good at football. I'm going through and rewatching this game again. Um, my life is kind of weird right now um, in terms of my responsibilities for work, you know, because I'm not going up to Boulder every day doing that kind of stuff that I typically do and want to do because that's how you make like the best content but i'm pretty sure if i went up to boulder right now they'd probably just like send me straight back home or give me like a ticket or something or i don't know what's happening up there um but i know there's no chance that what would happen is that i get to sit down with a student athlete and talk about anything at all um but because my life is kind of different during this pandemic at least until football returns the pac-12 returns my responsibilities include spending all day Saturday, all day Sunday watching football um, so I can talk on the draft prospect or draft draft podcast about all of the best draft prospects that we saw on Saturday and then talk on the fantasy podcast and on our Sunday morning show, The Tailgate, um, which you guys should be watching. It's a lot of fun um, about all the NFL games. But um, it's hard to watch all of it. And so that means I'm rewatching consistently throughout the week. Um, I, I started my rewatch of the Jaguars game last night because on uh, whatever it's called, uh, Red Zone, you only see bits and pieces, and then you see the Visca highlights on Twitter, and I watched that and got most of it, but also it was like late at night and I was kind of like half distracted, and so I'm doing another rewatch right now, and Visca just missed a block, and... Uh, Honestly, it was kind of an effort thing. It was also like third and 28, and that block wasn't going to be the difference, but the guy did like help gang tackle the other guy. And so the point of this whole last minute of me talking is that I'm watching this game right now as we speak for a third, uh, second and a half time. You can't call the first time a real full time. Um, And I have some notes. And we'll get into those later. Here's the general theme. Last week, Visca proved that he's an NFL football player. That's what we saw. Visca is an NFL football player. This week, you know, we still saw like the flashes of the superstar that he could become. And I would bet on him becoming, honestly. But we also did see like there there is a difference between LaVisca Chenault on, oh boy, uh, September 20th, September 20th, 2020, and LaVisca Chenault on you know september 20th 2023 um and that's where we're at because even though he made some great plays there's still uh some stuff that needs to be cleaned up because he is a rookie and it is going to take some time um we're going to talk about that here in a minute oh but before we jump into the pac-12 stuff which uh, uh, we have to do we have to do it that's what's important that's the news here um let's talk a little bit about green mountain dental group um and here's the thing I would venture to say that going to the dentist, at only at Green Mountain Dental Group, I'm not sure this would apply anywhere else, and uh, getting some teeth pulled might be a better experience than uh, just following along with the Pac-12 at this point. Um, yeah, I'll stand by that statement. Um, 
Green Mountain Dental Group is incredible at what they do. They're a family-owned dentist out in Lakewood. It's about 15 minutes away from downtown Denver. So convenient if you live in the Denver metro area. And it's also the best place for you to, like, get your teeth clean for a whole bunch of different reasons. Like I said, family-owned. Uh, huge Colorado sports fans. Um, oh, uh, they're one of our partners at DMVR. And supporting our partners is supporting us. And so that's valuable, too. Um, probably the best reason though, to go to Green Mountain Dental Group is that if you go and get a teeth cleaning x-ray and exam, then you will be able to, uh, get a free Sonicare toothbrush, which is a great deal. Sorry, I looked out the window and saw it was raining in the middle of that sentence or not raining. If it had been raining, I would have been able to finish that sentence. Instead, I saw some clouds that look gray, but also the screens on my windows are a little bit dirty. And so for a second there, my mind wandered. And instead of thinking, how do I get people to go to this dentist? I was thinking, is it raining outside or do I just need to clean my, uh, what are those called again? I just used that word. It's been a rough couple of days for a bunch of reasons. Obviously there's the sports reasons. Oh yeah, that we're, that we're going to wrap up the Green Mountain Dental talk there. Uh go there because they're good people and because they're good at what they do and because you can get a free Sonicare toothbrush with a cleaning x-ray and exam. It's a steal. Take advantage of it. But yeah. Life is hard. It, it, you know what? I feel like my happiness just totally mirrors the state of is it the state of the buffs or the state of the Pac-12? This is a very fresh thought that I'm having and I haven't totally fleshed it out. Um, but that's kind of what I'm feeling right now is that like when it's looking like we're going to get football back, everything else seems to be going right in my world. But uh, when that is not the case, which it isn't true, I shouldn't say that. It, it just is a little bit clunkier right now than I thought it would be at this point. I thought we'd have a date. I thought we'd probably have a schedule. And I thought that we'd all be pretty fired up the countdown to when we get to beat up on Arizona or try not to get beat up on by Oregon. But um, yeah, you know, there's that. There's like other stuff. In case you haven't heard by the audio quality, uh, my laptop uh, is still not resuscitated. Um, I was supposed to get a call today. I guess it's 346, so there's still time today. Yeah, that's also still going on. Um, but uh, yeah, what else? What was I saying? I was talking about the uh, weather outside. That's not interesting, especially because most of you don't even live right here in downtown Denver. Um, so that doesn't apply to you anyway. But um, yeah. Oh, other sports are bad too. You may have noticed the Broncos losing. Worse than that, though, Cortland Sutton is done for the year. Um, Drew Locke is out three to five weeks. Basically, every other good player is dealing with something. Um, the Nuggets lost on the buzzer beater to AD. I'm still pretty, uh, I'm weirdly confident in the Nuggets in that series still. And maybe I'm just wrong and my feelings are misguided following the hell that we've all been through over the last five or six months. Maybe I'm just like clinging to positivity. Who's to say? But I will say that I'm still pretty confident the Nuggets are going to come back and at least force a game seven. I'm not sure if they win it. It's LeBron, it's AD, but Nuggets and seven still or, or going to a game seven. I'm still pretty confident in. They just look so good. Um, yeah. Uh, what other things are bad in sports here? Oh, uh, the Avalanche are still not in the Stanley Cup finals. And that will be the case until at least next year after the 2020-2021 season. Um the Rockies, Jeff Breidich said some terrible things, I guess, in the past, and we just found out about them now, or at least that's my interpretation based on all the tweets I've been saying. 
basically that like it's the team isn't working hard enough and it isn't his fault that he spent 336 million dollars on free agents and those free agents have combined for like a negative one or negative two or something f war and a negative whatever b war nobody knows what any of that means but we just know that negative numbers are bad and that you should be able to do better than negative numbers when you're spending 336 million dollars which i should say only 227 million dollars of that has been paid out so maybe he'll in the latter stages of the contracts for whoever's still left. There aren't many of them. He'll uh, redeem some value. But I'm kind of out on all of that that's happening at Coors as well. Hey, there's a biscuit touch. Boy, does he look good. But, um, yeah, that was a whole bunch of negativity. I don't even know where that came from. That was a lot of negativity to start this show. Um, let's get through this last little bit of negativity. Um... Colorado, the University of Colorado, uh, at Boulder, the one where the Buffs are, famously, uh, they said this morning that they were going to shut down uh, in-person classes, everything's moving online for at least two weeks, could be more than that, could be exactly that, it won't be less than that, though, and that's the update on that. Uh, do I have any other thoughts? Um, ooh, should be important to say, just because this is a tiny bit sports-related, I, I mean, all of it's pretty sports-related, um, but there were some rumors going around on Twitter and on specifically on Reddit, and uh, shout out Silverbuff. He was the first one who, like, started me down this, the rabbit hole of, like, reading that stuff and then deciding not to comment because I have nothing to add, and I just, journalism people hate when journalism people tweet about rumors instead of facts and in sports that's most of what we do but when it comes to serious stuff you're not supposed to what a, what a grab by visca but um you know so i just kind of figured i'd not make a whole bunch of the journalism diehards angry <sighs> but yeah so those rumors were going around and to finish this story with the very important note that is the reason we started this story um there uh there was a press conference today with some of the representatives from CU talking about the decision to shut down, and they got asked if uh, if a student had died of COVID um, after, again, the rumors were – I'm not even sure I said what the rumors were. This has been a mess of a podcast. But the, the rumors were that uh, a student had died of like yesterday or over the weekend, something like that. And they said that though they have not heard of any students dying of COVID. And so that is some very good news. Um, and I should say, like, I wasn't involved in the press conference. Like I wasn't, I don't get invited to like the university ones. I probably could if I told them to like add me to that list or whatever. Uh, but I was just like watching as a, as a way to kill 15 minutes in the nice rainy afternoon. I guess it was sunny then. I need to just pick up this attitude a bit. Um, so yeah, if you saw those rumors, don't worry. The school says this. And I don't think that they would try to like cover it up in this way. I think like it like if, if it had happened, there's a good chance they'd say like, oh, because of HIPAA, we can't say anything. Because the question is like, is, was there a, a student who died because of COVID-19? They would say like, well, because of HIPAA, we can't talk about this stuff. And that's what they'd say if it was a, a likely yes, if they had heard that. And then when the time comes, then they would say, I don't think they just straight up say, no, we haven't heard of that. Um, and then change their tune in a couple days once word gets out or whether or once they get like the clearances to say it or whatever's going on so that was how i started my day I was trying to figure out um whether 
that had happened and what that means for football, which is a terrible place to go with it, but it's kind of my job. And, uh, you know, it, it is important to remember, though, that it is a serious illness and over 200,000 people have died and you can do the math and that's whatever, like one in every like 2,000 Americans or maybe it's one in every like 1,900, something like that. Um, it's a big number though. And sometimes, uh, especially on this podcast, we kind of get turned on to how do we get football back? And it's like, well, you need these numbers to drop and you need these numbers to do ch- all this kind of stuff. And it is important to remember at points, like these are real people who have died of this pandemic. And, uh, there for a second there, I thought there might've been one at CU and that just sucks to see. Um, but to spin it to that place that we have to spin it here. Um, what would that mean for Colorado coming back? You know, that's where my mind went. And I don't, I don't know, you know, moving to online classes does make it harder for the university to sell. Hey, guess what? We come up with a way to play football, you know, like, because it is such a serious thing, the fact that they have to do this. And, you know, I think they're still saying they haven't found, um, anybody who's contracted, covid because of coming to class um but because the numbers are so high um they do think that this is the right decision uh you know since we're already pretty deep into this we might as well keep going i know there the 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 student death thing was one of i don't even know what to call it like it's not conspiracy theory um but it was one like way of justifying because the numbers are still falling. The numbers of CU students who have coronavirus, that number is going down. And I think that's why so many people were surprised that um, they still made the decision to go to online classes because they're saying like, it's going down, but we need it to be even lower than this. And it's like, well, when it was going up and it was higher than this, why wasn't the time then would have been the question that I asked in my head as I sat on the couch and watched that press conference on my iPhone. Um, so yeah, you have that going on. Some people say like, Oh, because I heard about this guy who died, whatever. Um, other people were saying, well, because now we're past the point where students can unenroll and get their money back. And I can't speak to any of that. Um, but that's, what's going on in terms of the school side of things, because that is some pretty big news on the school side of things. And it's pretty big news that I do think affects the ability to come back. I don't think it means that all of a sudden Colorado won't be voting for football. I still think that they would. Um, and I think that they will on Thursday. It's we're coming up on another one of these days that could be really good and just be an inflection point in this off season. Um, but yeah, as it sounds, it, it does make it harder. And you can't say anything other than it does make it just a little bit harder to to know that at some point some reporter is going to say, hey, you just said that things are getting worse and so now you can't go to class. Why are you also at the same time voting to start college football? So, you know, just be ready for that on Twitter, I guess, is, is, is where we're going with all of this. Um, what else do we have for news here? Um, oh, uh, John Wilner. I feel like we might just need to start a John Wilner segment on this show. Maybe a first segment should just be him. I don't, I wonder if I could, if he could like sue for that, for us naming a segment after him. Um, I don't think he would. Not that I know him. I don't think he could. No. 
Not especially not if we changed his name into a pun, um, which I can't do off the top of my head. And I'm sorry because I know that that's like what the guys who've had this podcast in the past have been really good at. But I don't have a John Wilner pun off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, so he had some important stuff to say, and that includes uh, that. These are some big days early on here. These kickers in this football game are terrible, by the way. Um, that uh, today, tomorrow, early in the week, the Pac-12 really does hope to see some sort of deal made between the uh, the people who are in charge of the regulations for COVID in the areas where Stanford and Cal play and those universities so that they can get something done. Remember last week, Los Angeles County was able to find a way for USC and UCLA to start practicing. We're still missing those other two California schools. They need to come to a deal with the local authorities on that stuff. And John Wilner says that that needs to come soon, um, as in the next couple of days. Uh, I, I do not believe that has happened today. I did a little bit of research, again, just to double-check before this, and did not see anything about it Um so that's worth keeping an eye on. And I think if you're looking for something to to point to as, you know, maybe a trend, like we're trending in the right direction. If this happens, this is that this. Um, so and that's important. Uh, we also learned from John Wilner because this man is underpaid. I don't know how much money he makes, but he is underpaid because he is one hell of a reporter because he's getting all of these stories. Um, but there was a whole big stink. Um, again, Wilner Hotline exclusive um, about uh, what is going on um, with the bonuses in the Pac-12 over the summer, right before a whole bunch of furloughs. Larry Scott gave out a bunch of bonuses. Obviously, terrible optics there. I... Uh, I've read all this stuff and I've looked into it. I I honestly can't say whether it's like the right decision or wrong decision because that is nuanced businessy stuff that I have never been anywhere near in my entire life. I will say that it looks bad. Um, This is from uh, Oregon Live. This is a column from John Canzano. Um, He says – 94 of 196 staff members were laid off or furloughed um, about a month before the conference paid out $4 million in bonuses. Optics are bad. And um, a lot of those were in the range of like $10,000. It seems like they might have been a little bit more, might have been a little bit less, but that seemed to be about the same size. A lot of those bonuses were moved up, um, according to Wilner. It was because Larry Scott thought that maybe some of those people would go get other jobs if they could get them um, just because everything is so insecure and by giving them a a bonus you're kind of like saying hey please don't do that Um, so that's going on a lot of it was uh, oh it's kind of a mess I think here although I will not say out oh more than 50 bonuses total so you can do the math on that 94 of 196 staff members or were furloughed or laid off 50 bonuses over 50 bonuses um were given out uh, about a month beforehand um so yes that stuff is ugly from an optics perspective um and 
based on my not good background in this kind of stuff, I, I would say that it was probably the wrong move. Um, I can't just roast the guy for that. Um, but here is this other part. And as part of the bonuses being moved up, his own bonus was moved up. Um, it was a $2.5 million bonus that he gets essentially every year, I guess. Um, and that's not a good look at all. Um, I mean, it's, it's one of those weird things where it's like, you know, Larry Scott makes all of this money and yes, he is overpaid. You look at the other conferences and what they're paying their commissioners and the success that those conferences have. It's pretty safe to say that in that market, he is overpaid. But you can't really blame him for that because he didn't offer himself that contract. It was the Pac-12 CEO group that offered him that contract, which he accepted because who wouldn't accept an on a contract that means that you're overpaid? You know, that's just how that works. And as part of that contract, he gets this $2.5 million. Um, and... You know, that's something that he negotiated. That's the worth that he built for himself was this money. And can you really fault the guy for taking the money that he gets as part of his contract? I, I, I don't know. But I do know that Tad Boyle did something different. Tad Boyle said that he wouldn't take the bonuses. And it turned out there were more cuts and all that kind of stuff. But he didn't want that postseason bonus. So there you go. That's a, that's a really good look um, for Tad Boyle, whereas at the very least, this is a bad look for Larry Scott. Um, some more stuff from this Oregon live story, or more of a column from, uh, uh, Kanzano. What's his first name? John Kanzano. Um, a, a nice little tidbit in here that I think is very revealing. And I should say, go back and just, you, you should be subscribed to the Wilner hotline. You should be Googling, you should be getting tweet notifications for John Wilner. And he tweets out a story, read that story. And uh, that will keep you totally up to date on all of this. He is very good at his job. Um, but also go back and read this story from John Cassano as well. Um, here is that detail. Uh, and I'll just read this as soon as I scroll to the part in the story where it is. And I can't find it. And it's bad podcasting for you guys to have to listen to me try to find it. Um, but, uh, oh, here it is. The Legend Labs, which is his um, essentially... And I accidentally closed the page. It's it's like his PR guy, um, his PR team, really, Legend Labs. Um, they knew for, in the story it says, for days or maybe weeks, that Quidel Corporation, which is providing the, the test that gives the rapid results and that will allow the Pac-12 to test daily, his PR team knew that this deal was coming days or weeks in advance, but the ADs, coaches, and athletes had to wait until the day it was announced. Um, I think the ADs were kind of tipped off a couple hours beforehand. Um, it sounds like they were pretty upset. Um, the line in the story here says coaches felt especially jilted because in some cases they'd sent players home. Um, tough, tough, tough day for, for Larry Scott. Um in the story, it also says that the people around him think that he knows that he's probably going to get fired or that his days are numbered, I think is how they put it. 
Um, we've known that for a while. We just haven't known what that number is. Is that like six? As in next week he's out? Or is that like uh, 420? Uh, which just happens to be a hilarious number that just popped out of my head. I don't Maybe we can read something into that as well. But um, yeah, like we're going to wait until right before the negotiations for the new Pac-12 TV deal. It, I don't know. It's all stuff that maybe it's important to know. Maybe we should, or maybe, I, I don't know. It's not what's happening on the field. And I know that what people really want that listen to this podcast is for the Buffs to go win football games and that everything that is a part of their relationship with CU, um, which, you know, how they feel about Larry Scott, how they feel about the Pac-12 in general, how they feel about the USC, like how they feel about all that stuff is kind of just like all a part of wanting to see CU be successful. And to some people, this might be important to that. To some people, it might not be. I just, uh, it was about time to have another Larry Scott day, I guess, because this went on a little longer than I expected. I do have some thoughts on Visca, though, a whole bunch of thoughts on Visca, and uh, we're going to get to those after I tell you about our good friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. Breckenridge Brewery is just the best, and I say this a lot, but my life is better because of, uh, because of Breckenridge Brewery. I'm getting a, getting a little choked up here. Um, all the beers that they have are just so good. I didn't make the DMVR bar last night because, again, I've been kind of like stressed out dealing with a bunch of different things that are going on. And uh, also, like, you know, if you guys watch the tailgate, you guys saw that, that it takes some effort to get into that. Plus, I was awake at God knows when Sunday morning so I could get on that show. And so, it, you know, it was a long day. I didn't realize... That the Nuggets game was not at 7, like I had been told, um, not to name names, but uh, Super Producer Kale was the one who told me that, and I blame him. Um, and so I looked down at my phone and saw a tweet notification from Harrison Wind that said, wow, the Nuggets just haven't gotten a break. And I was like, well, wait a second. What do you mean they haven't gotten a break? It's nothing is happening. And then I looked on the ESPN app and I was like, oh no, something is happening. The Nuggets are down 25-15 and I just missed the first few minutes. Turns out those were the ugliest minutes of the game for the Nuggets. And so maybe it was a blessing in disguise. Plus I didn't go spend too much money at my place of work, which is like this weird thing I grapple with where it's like, how much money do do, do I spend at the DMVR bar? Because it's kind of just giving back, but not too much time because if you overthink those things, then it's like, I don't know then they're overthought. Really, I just want a cheeseburger for eight bucks, and so I want that, you know? I'd go to McDonald's if not there. I need to work on these eating habits, by the way. Point is, I didn't get to have any Breckenridge beers last night, and I think that might be why I'm a little bit crabby today. Um, We're gonna blame that, at least. I'm not sure if there's, like, a total correlation between whether Breckenridge is a part of the day prior it's like a reverse hangover. It's like a reverse hangover you get at Breckenridge. It just makes you feel good for a while. Also, I didn't have any coffee. That could also be playing in. Speaking of coffee, uh, Strava Craft Coffee is the place to go to get coffee. Well, you can't really go there because I think all their sales are online, but it's the place to go virtually to get your coffee. And there are so many reasons for that. First is that CBD infused coffee and let me tell my CBD story because everybody kind of has a CBD story in Colorado, I've learned. 
um, mine has finally come full circle um, because I've tried CBD. Um, so I tried Strava Craft Coffee for the first time probably two or three months ago. And maybe it wasn't that long. Again, time is weird still, but it was right when we got the keg of it at the DMVR bar. Um, and they made it so easy for me that I decided that I should drink it. And I took a couple drinks and I was like, wow, this is some strong stuff. But as I drank the entire very large cup of coffee, I never did get jittery, which is kind of crazy because I get the jitters really easily. Honestly, like I don't even have to drink coffee and half the time I'm jittery. Like I'm just pacing around and my fingers are twitching and all that kind of stuff. I'm just like a naturally high energy person. Um, but when I drank the Strava Craft coffee, I didn't feel any of that, but I just felt super alert and aware. And it, it was seriously like, like I've been saying, like all of the good parts of coffee and none of the bad parts that you get when you drink caffeine. Um, and on top of that, like, I can also say that those were good days. And so far I've had like probably six or seven Strava Craft coffees at the DMVR bar. I would say that if I'm going back in that time frame and looking at like the top 15 nights that I've had, they were a part of those as well. Um, they're just, CBD does something and I'm not sure what it is. I'm not a scientist. Um, I've been told that it helps with IBS, which is not a problem that I have. That wasn't what was getting solved for me, but just the anxiety, the stress that I naturally have as a person, like I'm just a high stress, high energy, high anxiety person. It, it does help. And I do think like I have had enough Strava craft to say that this isn't just like the correlation, not causation thing. Like it is, I think it is causation and I'm going to have to get my hands on some Strava craft coffee. The problem for me is that I'm not responsible enough to like brew coffee for myself in the mornings, but that's, that's another personal battle that I will be fighting um, hopefully before this off season is over because I'm going to have to be at my very sharpest for this football season, which I am not today. Um, so yeah, Strava Craft Coffee, it really is good stuff. It helps with so many different things. And like there's the physical stuff, like the, the people, I'm sure in a week we could get Brandon Spano to come tell us about how his ACL surgery recovery is going because of the Strava Craft Coffee and that it's helping in that way. Um, because that is just something like everybody has the reason that they use CBD and I'm starting to think I might've found like an actual good reason to just start my day off with CBD infused coffee. Again, it's not psychoactive. It doesn't make you high. It just has like all of the healing benefits that have been like the fight with the medical marijuana. Remember that before it was legal here, before the medical marijuana was legal here, like way back, everybody was like, oh, there are medical benefits. It's like, oh, are there though? I'm not so sure. <sighs> That's... Uh, we need to cut this off. But if you want to try Strava Craft Coffee, like I said, you can come down to the DMVR bar and that's probably the best way to do it. Uh, you can also go to uh, Carbon Cafe and Bar, Drip Denver, Slow High Coffee, uh, Blue Sparrow Coffee, Max Market, so many different places. Um, I love that that bullet point is right next to the IBS. Like it just says IBS right after that list. Um, but yeah, uh, so you can do all that, but you can also order it for yourself. And if you do that, you can use the code DMVR20, as always, to save 20% off your purchase. And uh, you can also save 20% off every single purchase 
if you subscribe to what you're purchasing. So if you say like they, they have the K-Cups, they have the uh, like grounds, they have the beans. There's so many different ways that you can get it. And if you're like, okay, well, I have a, whatever uses K-Cups, then I'm going to order a bunch of K-Cups and you can have like those delivered to you every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks. And if you're subscribed, you get 20% off of every one of those shipments. It's a great deal. And honestly, like it makes you want to buy a coffee maker or see if that's like, I'm pretty sure you have to have a coffee maker to make coffee. I don't think there's like an, another way to do it. I don't know. I'll research that. I'll figure out how to start drinking Strava Craft coffee every day. And uh, I hope that you guys do too, because it, it is good stuff. And this is a great deal. If you subscribe, get 20% off every order. Okay. We spent a lot, <laughs> a lot of time not talking about what we're supposed to be talking about here, but uh, let's jump back in. Um, LaVisca Chenault Jr. So what are the takeaways? First of all, like he is somebody who you want to have the ball in his hands. And I'm not sure yet where he ranks among like the NFL players in terms of who you want the ball in their hands. Like number one's probably like Christian McCaffrey. Number two is probably like Saquon. Um, who else is up there? That's actually kind of a fun discussion. Who do you just want the ball in their hands? Oh, Tyreek Hill has to be in there. Um, so yeah, like there, there are all those guys who are just so dynamic in space and however they can do it because they are all different in their different ways. Um, Visca's going to climb that list. And I'm not sure how high he's going to get on that list. And I'm not sure how long it's going to take him to get on that list. But by watching him now, even when he's only getting these, like, what, five touches a game probably, you know that you want him to have the ball in his hands. And you know you want him on the field because he does so much other stuff. As a decoy, as a blocker, he's an important player. Um, and he will be a very important player to this Jaguars football team. Right now, how much do the odds of them winning a football game change based on when he's in the game versus when he's off the game? I'm not sure. But I think that that number is going to grow and grow consistently, not just because he is going to get better as a football player, but because this offense will slowly just kind of like melt to be a part of him. You know, the, he, he will, like, it will slowly and but surely become Visca-based. And that doesn't mean, like, every play it's like, well... Visca is going to be doing this, which means this. Like, it's not like that, but just because of how important he is in the way that we've seen kind of the Chiefs offense change, where they are just so spread out, like spread out horizontally, spread out vertically, and you can do that because you have Tyreek Hill. And for them, if they lose Tyreek Hill for a game, I mean, honestly, they could probably survive because they understand that that's what's happened to the offense. They need that guy. They can sub Miko Hardman into his role, and it'll be just fine. And they'll slide Demarcus Robinson to Miko Hardman's role. And just because they have more guys like Tyreek Hill, they aren't Tyreek Hill, nobody is Tyreek Hill, but in that same mold who can fill in behind him. I think that the Jags are going to be doing something similar with Visca. You know, when you look at the 49ers, Kyle Juszczyk is kind of like the... or I don't even know. I think it might be a 50-50 split. Kyle Juszczyk and George Kittle being the key. You know, with the Chiefs, like I was saying, Tyreek Hill is the key. Oh, what's another great offense? Ooh, you know what? Here's a fun one. Maybe this is me overreacting to that Sunday night football game last night. 
But I think Julian Edelman might be the key to what the Patriots do um, and has been for the last few years, honestly, ever since Gronk left. And before that, they might have been kind of that co-key thing like we're talking about with Kittle and Juszczyk. Um This is kind of a fun game to play. What's another really good offense? Uh, the Cowboys, but they, they underperform. Maybe is that because – I mean, Zeke has got to be their key. That's got to be it. But, yeah, and I think that as the Jaguars progress, Visca is going to be that guy. And, and you know, maybe Chark stretching him deep. Or did I say Chark? But you, you, there will be different pieces, but I would say Visca is going to be very much that dandy. And that's why, like, going back to where we started, if you lose him for a game right now, that will definitely impact your chances of winning. But compared to what he's going to be for that team next year, two years from now, uh, and then going forward, you lose a lot. Alvin Kamara, that's another good example of one of these guys who kind of just is like, if you don't have him, you don't replace him, everything just kind of has to change. I think that's what's going to happen with the Jaguars and LaVisca Chenault going forward because we've seen the flashes of just how good he is with the ball in his hands. Um, So, yeah. That's the first note is that, again, you know, we we saw this week one. We saw how productive he was with the ball in his hands. We saw him sort of touchdown, get open, all that kind of stuff. But to see him do it a second time kind of like locks in. You know, journalism professors always said like three is a trend. If you're writing a trend story, they're like all these different kinds of story. Trend stories like, hey, here's this thing that's going on. And if you're like not a serious news place, it's more of like a lighthearted like weekly type thing what are those called uh wow my professors would hate that i don't know all this stuff but um then maybe it's like hey we're starting to see this type of bar pop up like bars that are like seafood bars that have fluorescent lights or whatever and this is this new trend and as soon as you have three accounts as a trend or like if you're a serious reporter it's like murders that's a trend now we've seen this two straight weeks this could be this important give him one more week of this and you can say okay This guy is here to stay. And I think that while all my professors did not care about football at all, what they were saying may make even more sense in the world of football than it does in the real world. Where, like, maybe in Missoula, Montana, where I went to college, like, yeah, three is a trend in terms of these types of businesses opening. In terms of the metro Denver area, or no, Denver metro area, that sounded awful. Um, Maybe you do need more, you know? But I think for the NFL, three games, or college football, too, you know, you can have that flash in the pan where it's just like, okay, wow, this guy had a great game. Or two games, three I do think is where it sticks. So that's what you want to see is for Visca to come back and do it again. Um, To get into some more specifics, though, like I was saying, uh, I watched the live block or the missed block while we were recording this podcast. That's going to happen sometimes, even with guys like Visca. The thing is, like, it was kind of an effort thing, and you don't want to see as many of those. Um. But there were some mistakes. It's not like he's just been out there playing perfect football. You know, uh, there was a third down. It was a long third down. Um, right? I think it was a long third down. Oh, no. it was the, That last one was a long third down. Um, the long third down where he missed the block where it probably wasn't going to matter anyway. But um, there was another third down where uh, Minshew rolls out of the pocket, goes to the left sideline. That's Visca's side of the field. And so at that point, it's basically on Visca to get open and become an option for his quarterback before one of the pass rushers is able to chase him all the way to the sideline where he has to throw the ball away. 
that's how that play works. And that's like the – see, I'm, I'm still just off. I can't remember – what do they call that drill? Like the rollout drill, the scramble drill, something something like that. There's a word for it. But that is definitely something you learn as you progress as a receiver. But, you know, Visco wasn't able to get open. And it was basically just a throw out of bounds because Visco didn't have enough separation to give himself a chance to get that ball, which is too bad. Um, but, again – Young player, that kind of stuff takes time. And when he gets that down, then that's one more touch for him. And all of a sudden, instead of five touches per game, you're saying, okay, is he a six-touch-per-game guy now? Because once a game, Gardner Minshew's stuck, and Visca's able to get open for him and catch that ball? I could see it. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and, and then maybe you start seeing more deep shots. You say, okay, well, once per game, he's going to get hit on this deep shot. And it's like, okay, well, that's seven. Maybe he keeps trucking guys like he was trucking guys again. And they say, okay, we got to give him two more carries. And then all of a sudden, you're up to nine touches. And that's how this kind of progresses as a rookie receiver. You prove you can do things, and they put you in situations where you can where, where you prove that that was the right decision, and you keep that going. Um, what else do I have in these notes? Um... Let's talk about the good play. Well, let's get to the really good one here in a second. There was one play that I really liked. Um, lines up in the backfield. It's shotgun look. Just him and Minshew back there. Uh, three receivers out wide, a tight end in there. And they fake the handoff to Visca, and Minshew rolls out the other way. So Visca's lined up to his right fakes the handoff like an inside zone. Visca goes hard at the tackle on that side, like he's trying to break it outside on the left side. The entire defense commits. The entire defense commits. Um, Minshew rolls out to the right. He looks for a receiver, looks for a receiver, winds up taking off and running. That's the type of stuff that Visca allows you to do as a decoy. And that's the type of stuff we talked about last week with him doing, but he was doing it again. And again, you, you just want to see that that first game wasn't a fluke. You want to see that all defenses are treating him this way. And you want to see Visca punish those defenses when they don't treat him that way. And, and even punish him when they do treat him that way. And he, he still gets the ball. Uh, you know, the, the big play, there were a couple. I mean, the, the catch, there was a catch down on the right sideline. Uh, incredibly contested. I mean, this ball is coming in at his shins. There's a guy all over him and he brings it in. And he had a couple catches that were balls that... I don't know if he got enough credit for as a draft prospect. I think that if you somehow like, okay, here's what happens. I figured it out. Somebody gets a time machine and, okay, we kind of jumped into that. That's not step one. Step one is you take a video of that play, that play where the ball's down low, the guy's climbing all over him, Visca still pulls it in. He got enough separation for himself might not have been enough for separation for a bunch of other receivers it's enough separation for lavisca chenault uh, so you take that video you find a way to make it so that you don't get to see the colors on any of the jerseys it's all just like blank uniforms and then you get the time machine you take that back before the draft and say okay all 32 gms you have whatever you think about lavisca chenault we'll just factor this in this season, in whatever uniform that he's wearing against whatever uniform he's going up against, Visca's going to make this play. How does that change your thoughts? And I think it would change some thoughts. I think that 
his abilities as a possession receiver may have been understated because everybody's looking at all the different things he does. Um, but the fact that he's able to bring in tough passes, again, understated early on, but he's proving that he can do that so far. We're two games in. You got to see more. Temper expectations. But he's done everything you could have asked him to do in these two games, uh, essentially. There have been a couple mistakes, like I said. A rookie, though. You're happy. Um, the big run. Uh, you guys probably remember the play against Stanford, the fourth down, where Visca not not only does he just like truck stick the poor little DB who he goes up against, um, it's like he searches him out and wants him to hurt. He had another one of those plays today. He had one last week too uh, on the sideline against the Colts. Uh, we caught the ball, hit the DB, sends him back, and still goes out of bounds, which is you know the next step for Visca is you take that guy out and then you keep running. That's what we saw from Noah Fant in these first two weeks is that he is now that dynamic. Because again, last year we saw the flashes. We saw what he could do. He had the great play against the Browns where he put a DB on his back then ran up the sidelines, a big play. But now we're seeing that consistently out of him. Visca is doing that more consistently than Noah Fant ever did as a rookie. And again, just a huge, great sign. He did it again yesterday uh, on a run, playing as a tailback. And when you watch that video on social media, you look at it and you say, okay, this is a really good ball carrier. He looks great on this play. What I think gets lost is just how fast he is on that play. Um, I, I think that when you're sitting and watching every snap of a football game and then Visca gets that ball and runs as fast as he ran to get to that point, that is what gets lost because he was flying compared to everything else we'd seen in that game. He was flying around that corner. He took that guy out. He pulled an extra four yards out because of it. And and that was true on his other run as well. Um, there's a, Yeah, I think there was only the one other designed run uh, where he gets the ball in the backfield and he starts like almost sidewinding as he turns that corner around the tackle he is moving. He is really fast. And we all knew that his speed was being underrated in the draft, but still just to see him pop the way he pops when you watch him play, uh, I, I, it's, it's great stuff. It's really great stuff. And I am really excited for him. But to be totally honest, I'm really excited for myself because that is the exact kind of football player that I just love to watch. And the fact that I have an excuse to go back and watch every snap twice if I want to, oh, it's it's going to be really nice. And as always, we will be following along with Visca. Um, I haven't gotten through all my rewatches, obviously. It's, it's a lot of football to watch. I'm not going to lie. Um, but... I don't think there was too much else that was notable from uh, the other buffs in the NFL. I do want to shout them out when we get a chance. Um, you know, Cheeto had the pick in week one, but I don't, I don't remember anybody flashing. I mean, the Packers won, so that's a good look for Bakhtiari and Mason Crosby, and they're never going to get love, love in this type of segment just because of the positions they play. Unless Crosby hits a game winner. You know, the Packers are going to go a long way this season. Uh, I talked about it a lot before, and so maybe I'm just doubling down on my take while they look good. But oh, I, Aaron Rodgers looks as good as he's ever looked. Aaron Jones is an animal in that backfield. Devontae Adams is one of the top five receivers in the league. Um, by that, I mean he's probably like the fourth or fifth best receiver in the league. Not in the top three 
at all. But, you know, that team that was in the NFC Championship game last year had a 13-3 and record last year. Hasn't lost a divisional game since the year before last year. Um, and now they're in year two with their head coach. They are moving forward. And that is not an old team. Aaron Rodgers is old. The rest of that team is not. Kenny Clark at 23 doing what he does in at defensive tackle. It's incredible. Jair Alexander also at 23. I think he was 22 last year and made his first Pro Bowl. Or was his first... I can't remember. Kenny Clark, I think, also made his first last year. But, yeah, I mean, they have so much young talent there um, in the backfield. The receivers, there are so many guys who are finally showing out. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, that Packers team is going to be really good. And there are going to be some buffs there. So that will be good to see, Um, especially because of the Broncos. Oh, poor Broncos. They had a chance to be in the playoff race. I think that chance is dead. Uh, everybody's hurt. They're, everybody's hurt. Um, in terms of college football, I don't know. Maybe we'll dig into that. We're, we're going a little bit long compared to how long these usually are. But uh, I think that'll do it for today. As always, appreciate you all for listening. Um, these are therapeutic in a way. But, uh, yeah, it's been fun to watch Visca. Hopefully we'll get some good news out of Pac-12 this week. Stay tuned, look for Stanford, look for Cal to make an announcement in the next couple of days about some deal they agreed to with their local authorities. Um, and if that doesn't happen, then start to question some things. And maybe we'll get into some more of that tomorrow uh, if, there, if we don't get any good news. Because, I don't know, uh, I think I would definitely side on, hey, if those two teams can't play, let the other 10 teams play. You got to make it happen. But they would probably push pretty hard to make you wait, and I don't know what to expect out of the Pac-12. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there are, like, alliances forming, but just got to get to Thursday. Just got to get to Thursday. Hopefully get some good news for then. And you'll be able to follow along with all of it right here um, at the DMVR Buffs podcast presented by Green Mountain Dental Group. I will see you all tomorrow.